And, and right out the gate, we're going to redefine business partners a little bit. Uh, basically, uh, someone whose choices and lifestyle greatly affect your well-being, we're going to consider a business partner. So anybody who the choices that they make, the decisions that they make, uh, affects your life greatly, that's someone that you are in such proximity that uh, we're going to consider that the person that these Proverbs are making application towards. So probably the highest investment is a spouse, right? All their choices affect you. This can be a boyfriend or a girlfriend. can be an actual business partner, someone that you are in the market with, maybe that you're financially invested together in something. Uh, some, of, some of you have opportunities to decide who your coworkers are. Uh, some of you don't. Some of you have opportunities to choose who you hire as employees. Uh, some of you don't. Uh, but basically, you'll see application for your life in this area, uh, my, my, hopefully all throughout this sermon. But part of uh, what I want to kind of preface this with is there are different themes in the book of Proverbs, and even speaking on these things, there's a lot of times I'll kind of give my two cents on a proverb and have pushback on the other side, basically saying, well, that's not always the case. And though this is in God's word and it is inerrant, uh, proverbs are a little bit more like guidelines that they don't, you don't apply these to every situation in your life. So you're going to find some exceptions, uh, of situational exceptions to these, and it's not to, to discount this at all. Jesus just talks about God has a desire to take an aspect of Scripture in His Word and then run it through the context, run it through the, the spirit of the whole canon of Scripture, and then ask that the Holy Spirit would give us wisdom on how to then apply this into our lives, okay? So if you find yourself saying, whoa, what about this? That's okay. Um, all right, but before we get going, also to add some context, you're going to see some repeat themes throughout this sermon, throughout the Scripture text that we use. And you'll also see some repeat themes through the book of Proverbs that kind of shape themselves around uh, money and business and the relationships that are tied to that. And so a couple quick ones. The, the theme that continues to repeat itself. One, don't be guilty of unjust gain. It's all over the Proverbs. Two, don't take advantage of the poor. Three, don't set your heart on riches and possessions. So as we unpack some of our verses today, keep that in mind of the context that God's saying, man, these happen, these are repeated over and over and over again. Uh, perhaps I need to take a listen to this and, and make sure that's part of my filter and part of my grid. Uh, so if you guys are up for it, would you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord Jesus, I come before you and recognize that uh, nothing of eternal and lasting value is going to be produced today if it doesn't come from you. And so whether it be giving us insight and wisdom and listening, or whether it be being the motivation and the wisdom in speaking, God, we invite your Holy Spirit here as we just sung. And preaching a sermon that is, feels hyper-practical, uh, a part of me is uncomfortable not simply proclaiming Jesus from up here, um, but I recognize that, that you have this in your word, and we acknowledge right now that 
we can't live these truths out without Jesus. And so we are just as desperate and dependent upon him to live the gospel as we are when we preach and hear the direct gospel. So we love you and invite you to glorify yourself during this service and let all that we do be empowered by love. It's in Christ's name. Amen. All right, Proverbs eleven fifteen. I have some different translations so we can kind of wrap our minds around this. Proverbs eleven fifteen says, Whoever puts up security for a stranger will surely suffer harm, but he who hates striking hands in pledge is secure. The New Living Translation says, There's danger in putting up security for a stranger's debt. It's safer not to guarantee another person's debt. And lastly, the message says, Whoever makes a deal with a stranger is sure to get burned. If you keep a cool head, you'll avoid rash bargainings. Uh, in my mind, I, I kind of internalize this, and I, I basically get this idea. It's okay not to trust unproven or untrustworthy people. You don't have to apologize for not extending too much trust to either an individual who you don't know or to an individual who has proven untrustworthy. In fact, you don't even not have to apologize. The Bible would say it's wise and prudent not to. Why? Basically, it's saying don't stake your money, your possessions, your reputation, or your word on someone else, especially if that someone else is unproven to you. Dude, don't put something of value into something that you cannot control. So again, I'm not promoting that we take all that is ours and possess it and not be generous with it and not share it. I think all that is ours is actually God's and we're simply stewards of these things. And so don't allow anything to own you or in some ways don't possess anything. But I think these Proverbs, one of the things they're showing us is there is things of value that God has given you, whether that be a possession or whether that be a reputation. Don't foolishly and hastily give that out to everybody. So I can remember being in college. I uh, had a, one of the first times I, I had my own car, um, and an individual needed a car, and I didn't know them that well, uh, but I thought, well, you can take my car. And, and I think God wanted me to do that, and this person said, well, you know, what, what, what if something happens to it? And it was like, it's just a car. And so there's an element where we can hold all of our things loosely, and that allows us to generously give. So we're, not, we're trying to balance this out a little bit. Uh, but there's a lot of things and situations that maybe loaning a car to an individual wouldn't be wise. And we're going to talk about how we can decipher and discern whether this is a good loan or whether this is a poor choice. But I think one of the biggest things that, that continues to speak to me as I read through this and the message that I keep feeling is basically... There's a lot of things that we can't control that are outside of our control and you can't do anything about. There's other things that we have control over, and that's the stewardship idea. That's my attitude. That's the, the choices I make that I need to take responsibility for. And so I, what I hear in a lot of these pieces of Scripture in Proverbs 11 uh, in some ways says, don't entrust things of value to things outside of your control. In other words, here's, I'm going to give you some different phrases and nuggets, Okay. Basically, fumble your own football. Fumble your own football.
Galatians 6.4 says, But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. The original forteon means that load means a task, a burden, a service. We'll come back to that. But in, a, in some ways, at the end of the day, you are going to be held responsible, whether it be before man or before God, for the things that God has entrusted to you. And so because it's your responsibility, uh, in some ways, you, you want to be the one to carry that. It's okay not to trust unproven or untrustworthy people. This is what Proverbs 26.10 says. Like an archer who wounds everyone is one who hires a passing fool or a drunkard. That's the ESV. Uh, the New Living says an employer who hires a fool or a bystander is like an archer who shoots at random. So basically God's word is saying if you are in a position that you have to have other people represent you, so whether this is, again, truly hiring somebody, it says, don't just, don't just carelessly do this. Don't hire a fool. Don't hire a passerby. Don't hire a drunkard. It's going to come back and hurt you. It's going to come back and bite you. Next nugget, under promise, over deliver. And don't confuse the two. Under promise and over deliver. Proverbs 11.15 says, He who hates striking hands in pledge is secure. Now, this isn't saying, I can realize, you know, you get done with this service and you say, all right, so I learned don't commit myself to anyone or anything and don't trust anybody. <laughs> Got it, right? It's not, not what we're saying here, okay? Um, however, I think we're to be very careful not to unnecessarily bind ourselves to people or to things or to commitments, not to unnecessarily trap ourselves into scenarios that, that we don't need to. Um, one of the things that I think is helpful is asking yourself, what is at risk with this commitment? Because there's a lot of things you do need to commit to, and that's responsibility. But there's other things that I think we, we give too strong of a vow, we give too strong of a, of a commitment when it's just not necessarily. Uh, there's situations that, that I could say, hey, Fannins, I'm going to meet you Friday for lunch, and I'm going to commit to a certain time and a certain place. We, we need to do that to be thoughtful of people, to be responsible. But if something comes up, whether it's in my control or outside of my control, I'm not risking a great deal there. A great deal there. I can call these guys and say, hey, I'm going to have to reschedule, right? There's not a lot at risk. But there's other things that you commit to that you risk a great deal and you can't get out of from a phone call. And so to assess and to evaluate, especially if things come up that are outside your control, is that going to leave you on the line? And I believe this Proverbs is saying, if, if you can avoid things like that, do. Again, these are guidelines that aren't applicable in every situation. Kind of like look both ways before crossing the street. Well, unless someone kidnaps your kid and is running away, you know you're not going to think of that right? And so some of these scenarios, you got to take common sense, and you got to take the situation and see, God, is this, is this applicable in this situation? So part of under-promising and over-delivering, part of not committing yourself unnecessarily to things, brings us right to uh, the sensitive topic that this one's going to hit a lot of us, to the topic of debt, right? Scripture talks about the dangers of going into debt. Essentially, promising that you will fulfill something 
and there's a lot of variables that can upset that. You bind yourself and you tie yourself to certain situations and to certain scenarios and to certain promises. Um, and I think God is very clear to say, you need to be very, very careful what you do that with. Romans 8.13 says, Owe no one anything except to love each other, for one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Proverbs 22.7 says, The borrower is slave to the lender. Couldn't find it. There's another Proverbs that basically says, Be not the borrower nor the lender. But the borrower is slave to the lender. So I think there's, there's many times in our culture, uh, in our society, that we have something that we want or it's just commonplace and so we we commit to something we commit to a payment uh and it comes back to bite you and then you see the snowball effect right you see well i was trapped a little bit and now i'm trapped even more and now i'm trapped even more we'll talk later about what what choices we make when we enter those moments of desperation and i see scripture saying hey if at all possible let's just avoid those things now, I also, the Bible talks about being shrewd, being wise. Uh, think of the parable of the talents, where Jesus says, you know, here's ten talents, and the guy goes back and he trades and gets ten more. Uh, he just, I mean, there was, some, there was some risk there, I assure you. Or the guy who had two comes back with four, then the one guy is, buries it and says, ooh, I was afraid, and Jesus rebukes him. So it's not to say we don't look for opportunities to capitalize on investments and things like that, um, but at what level are we willing to risk, and when is it? Uh, when is debt tying ourselves unnecessarily to a promise that um, was going to come back and hurt us? A couple, couple real quick, acceptable and wise, possible wise opportunities to enter into debt. A house could be one of them. Almost always appreciates. It provides an immediate need to you, to you and your family. Um, and there's really very little other opportunities or options that you have um, as far as living. Uh, education can be one of them, not always, but it can be one of them that is considered, can be considered an investment that appreciates, right? Because of this and this and this training and education, uh, you land certain jobs. Now, it's not always the case. Uh, we have a lot of hurting people from student loans that uh, you get, you get, you get a, a woman whose dream is to be a housewife and to be married and to raise kids. And she goes and she commits $50,000 into college in a career that she only wants for two years. Uh, I don't know if that's wise. So it's all these things. There's some moments that we could say are wise and there's some that aren't. And that's where we have to pull the audience, people around us, look at God's word and specifically check our heart motive. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Last thing I'll throw out there, extremely high probability of profitable return. So these are situations that... Uh, I have an opportunity, I can uh, buy a motorcycle for $5,000, and I know that motorcycle's worth twelve. and I have a buyer on the line. Uh, maybe I need to borrow money for the five. Uh, we need to be very, very careful with these scenarios, but they're out there, right? You guys have run into them. Uh, the point is, you can think through those things, but Scripture would say, don't unnecessarily tie yourself to scenarios. All right, Proverbs 17, 18, which is very reflective of what we just read says, one who lacks sense gives a pledge and puts up security in the presence of his neighbor. Or the New Living Translation says, it's poor judgment to guarantee another person's debt or put up security for a friend. In other words, it's not very wise to commit to something when the fulfillment of that promise is totally outside of your control. 
where the, to, to have this promise fulfilled, someone else has to be faithful to the promise, not me. And so if I put myself in a scenario like that, uh, it, can, it can disrupt the relationship. So this is what co-signing is all about, right? So be very, very careful not when you're going to entertain co-signing. Now, people who need co-signers need them for a reason. They're either unproven, which is not necessarily their fault, or they're untrustworthy. That's why it's needed. And so I need to evaluate that. Kind of the fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Where if this person has proven to be untrustworthy, maybe it's not wise for me to anchor my boat to theirs. Now, there might be other situations where you think, oh, this is okay, this is good. Um, I'm going to protect uh, myself or I'm going to help someone out. So these aren't blanket statements. Uh, but in other words, if we're leading through the scriptures, one of the things that we have to ask as well is, is this truly loving and helpful? Or am I enabling unwise, irresponsible, or sinful behavior by helping out in this scenario? Like, is, am I in this situation because of a choice I made and, and by you rescuing me, is that kind of that poor, full, poor, irresponsible choice to continue? And that's not truly love. Now, we can deliver all of our no's in grace and with a heart that hopes for success. There's a lot of people that I would say, absolutely, I want, uh, I want you to succeed and I hope that works out for you, but I'm not going to partner with you in that. If there's high risk, you take the whole responsibility. And part of what I mean by that is if there's things that we are deeply vested in and there's a high risk, I want that to be on my shoulders again because I'm the only person that I can control. And, and, and my attitude and my posture and my actions are, are between God and I. And so I can commit myself to doing the things of God even though I continually fail. I can commit myself to... Um, doing these things in the power of God. But if I attach myself to someone else, I cannot control whether Drew does that or not. I can't control whether he walks in the Spirit or in wisdom or not. And there's a lot of times if I have two, if, if whether he does or not brings me down or up, then I, you're going to be sure you're going to see some anxiety in me. And instead of just being free to love that person as he is where he is, I'm free to love him but he better not make any dumb decisions because it's my grave. And so all of a sudden, I'm looking over his shoulder and critiquing everything that he does because I'm so vested and so tied to him. And you be sure he will probably feel that. And I've seen that over and over. Think of the, the parent and the grown child, right? Where it disrupts the harmony of the relationship, either because there's been enabling or because the parent uses that as kind of a, a tool of manipulation, right? Right? Well, I give you this and this and this, and so now I have a voice in your life here, here, and here. And it ought not to be that way. So I think that slides into this idea of these, these, these Proverbs that say, be very, very careful not to give promises, put up security for a stranger. You can and should take responsibility for your own actions. So again, these are things God has entrusted to you where he's saying, I want you to be a good steward. I want you to be responsible for this. And I don't want you to pass that on to anybody else. 
Back to Galatians 6. We read uh, verse 4. We're going to read 2 and 4 because they, they go hand in hand, and I think it helps us decipher when to step in and help and when not to. Galatians 6, 2 says, Bear one another's burdens. Burden means heaviness, weight, or trouble. And so fulfill the law of Christ. Jump down, skip one verse to verse 4. It says, But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. Verse 5, For each one will have to bear his own load. Different word for burden and load. This means task, burden, service. So in some ways I've heard it described. There's many times that an individual doesn't have the ability or the capacity to carry their own load. Whether that be for just a season of their life, or for the duration. Uh, you know, if my seven-year-old feels like the teacher is unfairly treating him, he doesn't have the, the social or mental capacity to go have a really good conversation with he or her. And so I might need to bear that load and come step in and say, I have, you know, some concerns here with what's going on at school. Uh, at the same time, you know, if my 18-year-old um, wants me to tie his shoes, it ain't happening, right? So don't do for them what they can do themselves, uh, but you need to do certain things that they can't do. And so there's times where you're going to see a need, you're going to see an individual, and for whatever reason, situational or not, uh, you will be called to carry that burden with them. Whether you take their pack yourself, or whether you kind of give them a hand in support, there's a lot of situations and opportunities that that's how we fulfill the law of Christ, is to give of ourselves to lift and carry up other people. But two verses later it says each one is to carry their own load. There's other times where an individual you see in your discernment and assess that this is one that they need to carry, that they need to figure out. And it isn't loving for me to carry and step in right here. So it takes a great deal of prayer and discernment and searching the entirety of kind of God's heart towards man, God's heart towards people to decide when is it enabling and when is it loving? Proverbs 20.16 says, Take a man's garment when he has put up security for a stranger and hold it in pledge when he puts up security for a foreigner. New Living Translation says, Get security from someone who guarantees a stranger's debt. Get a deposit if he does it for a foreigner. In other words, I think, again, it's okay not to trust. Where you Basically, we're talking about collateral here, right? We're talking about some ways of protecting yourself. Now, I want to be careful because I think we do that emotionally and in all kinds of ways that we don't need to because we have a protector. But this is talking about there's other opportunities and other situations you're going to find yourself in that it is good to kind of hold the trump card. It's good to protect yourself. It's good to give people motivation to fulfill their obligations. And so that's what collateral is because they know if I don't fulfill this obligation, then there's a consequence. That's why generally, hired people are better than volunteers, right? They're more vested. There's an obligation there. It's motivation to fulfill their promise. Again, you can do this in a spirit of graciousness and love, and when they miss the mark, we can be forgiving. But Scripture talks on and on and on about prudence, and it's okay not to extend the same amount of trust to everybody. Contracts. Uh, I think contracts can save relationships. And at the end of the day, with all this, it can feel very business-like. I think ultimately this is about relationships. Where we might engage in a contract and it might be like, well, man, don't you trust me? Absolutely. But a contract makes sure that you know and I know 
all the details and how this is going to play out. And so now I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to put that discernment and grid on, is he going to pay me? Is he not going to pay me? We know the expectation. And years down the road, we're not sitting here um, remembering it differently. Uh, my dad was in the first service. I trust that guy a ton, and I think he trusts me. Uh, he, owned, he loaned me a good bit of money a while back, and so we entered into a contract that says, okay, this is how much I borrowed. This is how I'm going to pay you back. This is when I'm going to pay you back. This is when I'm going to be done. It's going to be automatically withdrawn and passed over to your bank, and I want you to sign this, and I want to sign it. And so what that has done is it's freed us from not having to do that dance of is this going to offend him or not. He doesn't have to say, uh, uh, you didn't pay this month, those kind of things. Where it's, it's, it's helped our relationship. And in fact, I thought I was done with this payment like five days ago. Turns out I wasn't. Now the good thing is it wouldn't have messed up too much of a relationship because he didn't know either. <laughs> but I thought, I started to think through this and I said, well, I better just double check. So I dig out our contract and I owe the guy $4,500 more. <laughs> now, the point is, again, he wouldn't have known that, but imagine the scenario where he kind of was wondering that, and I thought I was done. And I thought, no, 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 no. And this has taken place over a long time. You can see how that could really deteriorate the harmony of our relationship. And even though he didn't know, in some ways, if, I had, if we hadn't engaged in that, and you don't always have to, but if we hadn't engaged in that and written it down, I would have stolen $4,500 from him. And it's not like that is going to ruin him, but it will affect our relationship, right? Those are sensitive topics. And so I think it's okay to bring sometimes that kind of structure to, with a heart for the relationship to these close relationships we have. All right, here's another nugget. It's unlikely to do good business with bad people. Very unlikely you'll do good business with bad people. Proverbs 14, 15 says, The simple, or the foolish, naive, too open-minded, the simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. Prudence means shrewd, common sense, crafty. The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thoughts to his steps. There's many times where we have opportunities and we have these, these little red flags. Maybe the opportunity looks very good, but the individuals involved, you, you don't trust their character. Most of the time, that's not going to turn out very well. Or maybe they're very skilled and talented in a task, but you really question their character. I believe this is saying proceed very cautiously. There's a lot of times it's good to pass up the opportunity and go with something that you know the character and the relationship is going to be solid. Is there too much risk? Is there not enough character? If that's the case, this is where I think Proverbs 22 and 22.3 and Proverbs 27.12, they say the same thing. It says, The prudent sees danger and hides himself or avoids it, but the simple go on and suffer for it. So is the danger these red flags that you see in this individual? If that's the case, avoid it. Now, why do we get ourselves in situations where we don't avoid it? Why do we get ourselves in situations where we either don't see that it's dangerous and we just go headlong and rush into it and we suffer for it? 
Listen to Proverbs 23, 1 through 5. When you sit down to eat with a ruler, observe carefully what is before you, and put a knife to your throat if you are given to appetite. Do not desire his delicacies, for they are deceptive food. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it is gone, for suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward the heaven. See, I think one of the things that sets us up for poor decisions is that our appetites are way too strong. And by appetites, I mean when we set our eyes on something, the delicacies, money, relationship, and that something becomes lustful. The word hypothumia means uh, one of the ways that you can apply this to lust is basically it's an over-passion, or I'm over-zealous for something. Now, sometimes we're, we desire something that's forbidden. Other times we desire good things, but we desire it too much. This is the language of idolatry, right? Where the thing becomes the ultimate thing. In other words, we create lustful passions, and when that happens, this proverb is saying, one, guard that within yourself, and remember, you have high appetites, and the guy you're sitting with also has high appetites. And when you have two people who desire something, it's a dangerous game. You see this a ton in relationships. We all do this, but you see this in relationships a lot, right? We've all observed the, the young woman who so wants to be loved and so wants to meet the right guy that she gets in this relationship and everyone around her can see this guy's trouble. This guy's not good. But it seems like she's totally blind to it. What's going on there? It's not like she lost her intellect. It's that she longed for something so much that she sees what she wants to see. And we do this in business too, right? We get ourselves in certain situations and we need, we need, we need, and so we see what we want to see. We see opportunities that aren't really there and we craft them in our mind because our appetites have grown to a sinful, idolatrous level. Our lustful appetites are never satisfied. So uh, idols always promise you something they, they can never fully deliver, right? And so if my appetite is too high, too extreme, if it's the ultimate thing, it will never be enough, and so I will continue to reach. I need more, I need more, I need more. This is the line of, of greed, correct? And so when I'm in that situation, it produces desperation. So because it's never enough, because I'm never satisfied, I've got to keep consuming, keep consuming whatever it is, and I become desperate, and that's when my discernment goes down. Lustful appetites produce fear. Because I have set my heart so strongly on this thing, I can't afford to lose it. I can't afford to have it taken from me. And so there's always this fear and this anxiety that if I, if I lost this, I'm in trouble. And so in fear, it cultivates this desperation. We can't get enough and we're always reaching, we become desperate. We can't go without, so we're always needing and we become desperate. Desperate people make poor choices. How do we avoid entering into these scenarios and these situations that all of a sudden our discernment's gone? How do we keep ourselves from danger, as the scripture says? How do we recognize it and do something about it? I believe there's a couple ways. One, make much of Jesus. 
make much of his word, make much of truth. Remember that old song, turn your eyes upon Jesus and the things of this world will go strangely dim. When I look towards Jesus and when I put my heart towards him, I recognize that I already have a God, that I already have a Savior, and so I don't need this person to be it. I don't need this thing to be it. I already have security in him. And it doesn't take very long. I, my eyes turn and my eyes wander, and I think I'm going to get it here from getting my motorcycle back. I think I'm going to get it there from getting in a relationship with that person. I think I'm going to get it with this career. Again, those things are all that can be good, but they're meant to be gifts, not God. And so one, always the answer, keep looking to Jesus to fulfill your every need. And when you don't, you can be sure that your appetite will increase, 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 and when your appetite increases, your wisdom and discernment goes down. Two, listen to the opinions of other people. We all know this, but why is it so hard for us to do? There's a lot of people that God has placed in our lives or that God wants to place in our lives. And listen to the opinions. How many heartaches would you have been saved if you would have listened to mom and dad in high school when they said, I don't think you should hang out with that kid? Over and over and over, there's opportunities that some people give you bad advice. Sure. But when people give you advice... Even, even your critics, usually there's nuggets of truth, right? And so it's not to accept everything everyone says, but if I'm a person who's open to advice, I can hear their advice, I bring it before God, I look into truth, maybe I, I communicate and seek counsel with other people, and then I know what to do with that advice, whether I think I'm going to act on it or nope. If one person gives you advice, hmm, consider it. Two people give, give you advice, Listen more. If three people give you advice, you're probably blind. Right? There's something that you're not seeing. And so I think there's, there's, there's great ways to avoid these blind situations, these areas that we need discernment because a lot is at stake. And so we want to go about these things very carefully and with prudence and with wisdom. And so I only have so much. So I have to keep seeking after it and, and pursuing it like we talked about last week. But a lot of you have stuff that I don't. So I need to create a team around me that, that can fill in the spaces that I can't. I think the only individual, again, this isn't to say you don't trust anybody. This isn't to say you don't commit to things. But it's, it's a multitude of proverbs it says when there is something that God has given you don't just foolishly flippantly and without thought hand that over to other people there's times and occasions where you need to hand something of great value to somebody else but it says be discerning with that make sure you know what you're handing over and who is possessing it because God's going to ask us to do that a lot. But there's a lot of times that I think we just do that, and he's saying, it's not the right move. Let's pray.
Father, I first want to acknowledge and recognize and, and ask you to help us in some ways possess nothing. That you are the owner of all things, even our very life. And so there's such freedom when we possess nothing because in some ways no one can truly take anything from us. And on the flip side, God, we are your children and you said we have access to you and all that is yours. And you own all things. And so some ways the enemy can't tempt us because we own everything. And so I pray that we would, we would hide ourselves in that relationship with you, you being our provision, us being your children. And that that would, that would insulate us from these temptations, from these over-appetites. Help us to be trustworthy people and give us wisdom when not to engage in people that aren't trustworthy, that are going to hurt us and hurt those around us. And in all this, God, when we try to navigate these scenarios and these situations and these people, I pray that we would do it in love. There's many times that we're called to say no, but we can certainly do that, um, desiring and wishing God's best for that other person. We love you. We praise you for who you are. It's in Christ's name. Amen. 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 You guys stand with me. We're going to sing the third verse to As the Deer. Seems like it really encapsulates what Nick's been talking about. I want you more than gold or silver only you can satisfy. You alone are the real joy giver and the of my sing that verse again I want you more than gold or silver only you can satisfy cause you alone are the real joy giver and the apple of my eye you alone you alone are my strength, my shield. To you alone may my spirit yield. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. Amen. Go forth in that truth today. God bless you.